When a practitioner sees a patient and thinks about what treatment might work, how do they know who is the right patient? How do they know how to do that? How is it monitored? And how can they and the patient feel confident that they're achieving what their purpose and goals are? So our, our goals are to look at establishing those elements of what we think is good practice. Hey, 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 this is Keith Fiveson here at the Psychedelic Science 2023 convention. Welcome to another episode of the Mindfulness Experience podcast. Today, I am thrilled to have the newly appointed executive director of the American Psychedelic Practitioners Association, that's the APPA, Brigadier General, retired, Stephen Zanakis, and he is a medical doctor and he is our guest today. I uh, just want to say, first of all, congratulations on your new appointment as the executive director of the APPA. And I'm wondering, can you tell us about your background and, you know, really what led you to this new role? Well, good morning, Keith, and thank you very much for this opportunity to speak with you and, and also to speak to all your listeners. Um, it's a great privilege uh, for me to have this and to uh, be able to reach out and talk about this very important work or endeavor that we are now all engaging in and pursuing. Uh, I'm a psychiatrist and uh, a retired Army officer. I've spent my life thinking about the health and welfare of our soldiers and families and of all of our Americans. And that I think that what makes it very important for our country uh, to be able to continue with this democracy, with everything that we believe in, is we make an extraordinary effort and uh, put our time and energy into supporting that health and welfare. And we now have another opportunity to think about that, to develop uh, those capabilities and to help those people who are looking uh, to have the best lives that they can. That's wonderful, wonderful. So, so the APPA uh, really allows practitioners in the field uh, to go ahead and uh, get involved and really understand what's going on with psychedelics as a practitioner. With your extensive background and experience in both the military and the medical fields, how do you plan to leverage this knowledge, the knowledge that's there, uh, to go ahead and look at the APPA's growth and the overall development? So we're going to focus on the clinical care here. There are several pathways for individuals to find meaning and purpose uh, in their lives and to get peace of mind and to be able to have uh, a, a sense of what is um, <clears throat> comforting to them. Uh, one pathway has to do with uh, the clinical care. And our, our role and our hopeful contribution here is to work on developing uh, the best practices and training people in those best practices and to help them to continue to develop as they work with the patients that come to them. So really looking at uh, uh, the industry uh, being as young as it is, the APPA is taking a lead in helping to help practitioners and really develop the standards, if you will, for the industry overall. And that's 
That's very exciting. I'm uh, very thrilled about that. Uh, as an executive director, what are your short-term or long-term goals uh, for the APPA, and how do you plan to achieve them? So our first goal is going to be very shortly, uh, we're going to publish with our collaborators professional practice guidelines. So these are guidelines that really legitimize this particular activity, this professional practice, and so that other interested groups, insurers, payers, other professional groups, our fellow doctors and psychologists know that we are now going to do what is understood and appreciated as a professional group of practitioners. We're going to follow those guidelines with other guidelines uh, and which really frame and support they're the scaffolding of what we do as practitioners. We're going to look at ethical guidelines. There's extremely important here. And then we're going to look at clinical practice guidelines so that when a practitioner sees a patient and thinks about what treatment might work, how do they know who is the right patient? How do they know how to do that? How is it monitored? And how can they and the patient feel confident that they're achieving what their purpose and goals are? So our, our goals are to look at establishing those elements of what we think is good practice. So these guidelines and standards that the APPA is establishing for the uh, medical industry overall really are the scaffolding, as you put it, uh, so that if anyone is looking to go ahead and get involved in the industry, they understand where to go and how to, how to really make that happen. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. So they know that they have confidence and they have assurance that they're getting with a group of people, they're working with a group of people who have been very serious about this and very conscientious that they're doing the right thing. Remember, first, first rule here in medicine is primum non no carry, first do no harm. So we've got to be as, as professional about this, as conscientious as we can be. I love that because, uh, you know, we're here at the MAP Science uh, 2023 convention. Uh, we have 12,000 people here. There are many scientists for researchers, uh, uh, medical professionals, and yet there are also many people that are sort of, you know, just wondering what this is all about and how to go ahead and, you know, either form a career or how to get some psychedelics. I'm wondering, uh, in your opinion, when you start looking at uh, this, we had talked a little shortly beforehand. I told you that I was a vet and, uh, you know, I owe a lot of my life to uh, the Army and to the military. How do you see the role of psychedelics uh, playing out and uh, working with uh, vets? And, uh, you know, specifically what role or um, steps can be taken to go ahead and ensure that the population of vets has access to psychedelics or the treatments right now with the Heroic Hearts Project, they're taking people offshore. And that might be something that, uh, you know, we, we want to bring that back, uh, the VA, and really start looking at, you know, care onshore rather than offshore. What are your thoughts about that? Well, thanks for asking. I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm rather emotional about it. Uh, over the past 20 years with Iraq and Afghanistan, We've had uh, close to 2.8 million men and women who have deployed to the combat theater. Uh, and uh, we've had a number of them, of course, this combat, uh, you're a former Army uh, soldier. Uh, you came in right at the tail end of Vietnam. You know how hard that can be. 
And any time someone is in that circumstance, they're changed forever. Now, we have an obligation to these men and women. They are the people that have defended our country, and it's because of what they've been willing to do, putting their lives on the front lines, that we are able to enjoy and thrive in this democracy. So I believe we have an extraordinary responsibility back to them, and we should be providing them the, the support and the treatments and all the care that they need so they can go on with their lives. These are young people and they're coming out in their 30s and 40s and they have a hopefully a long life to go. So we need to do everything we can. Very good doctors and psychologists and therapists are working very hard to help them. But clinical medicine is such that not everyone really responds to the treatments that we think are the ones that uh, right now are indicated. And there's maybe half the people don't get the help that they need and they feel desperate. I feel we're obligated to look at other promising treatments, to be disciplined about it, to be methodic, and to be conscientious to do everything that we can help them. There are too many veterans committing suicide every day. Some of the numbers say 20, some of the numbers say it's 40 a day. There are too many of them that feel that they can't work as, and, and be with loved ones the way they want to be. There are hundreds of thousands of them, hundreds of thousands out of those 2.8 million that are feeling those burdens. So we have a responsibility, and I believe we should be doing it in this country. I, I would not want them to go off. So I'm, I'm glad you talked about that from the standpoint of the responsibility because uh, in a lot of times, in a lot of organizations that I'm familiar with, there's sort of pillars, right? There's the ability to have uh, education, development, uh, community, and uh, also policy. So I'm wondering, uh, just uh, as, a, as, a, as a policy question, uh, do you believe that the APPA can go ahead and help with the VA uh, administration or work with the government to go ahead and look at policy reform specifically so that it's more widespread and more available to more veterans or more people that are in need? I do, because I think the government officials reasonably and legitimately are concerned about anything that the government endorses that has to be safe. Right? They, the government, uh, understandably, doesn't want to do anything that may further harm someone. So what we can do is show that there really are safe practices, and they can be ethical, and there is a way of going about uh, doing this in a way that is most helpful. So as we establish best practices and publish guidelines, we can share them with the government and hopefully be able to support such programs within the VA and in other governmental agencies or healthcare facilities in this country. So I think we've got a very important role to do that. Yeah, and I'm very excited uh, here at the convention. We see uh, government officials. Rick Perry was one yesterday. He came up, and you would never think that Rick Perry, uh, being the Republican that he is, was was in favor. But the v the vets uh, were certainly on top of his, uh, you know, on top of his uh, 
keynote or his discussion, and that was the reason he really said he got involved. So I'm excited to hear what you're doing. In your opinion, what are the most uh, significant barriers to the widespread adoption of these psychedelics and the therapies, and how does the APPA work to overcome the, these challenges? How will you work? Are there you know, uh, discussions around that, and what does that look like? Well, I think the most important is that there really are uh, safe practices here. There are best practices. I think we are living with the legacy of the 70s uh, when it was very wild and there was a sense that people were doing things uh, irresponsibly and they were not following best practices and that uh, <coughs> we are now this is just a revival of that era. This is not a revival of that era. This is, in fact, looking forward to a different era and that there, there are ways of doing this uh, in a pr very professionally and very conscientiously. So our first, our first issue here is to say this is, not, this is not history repeating itself, this is now something new. And here's how this can be done and here's how we're gonna support it and bring people into this because one of our major goals at APA, the American Psychedelic Practitioners Association, is to integrate these treatments into mainstream American medicine. So that's where we're going to be going forward. Well, that's very exciting. And uh, as a medical doctor, I'm sure you're familiar with SSRIs and the impact of SSRIs. And um, you know, in, in converse to that, the impact of psychedelics. And I'm interested uh, if you can share any uh, recent advancements or exciting developments in the psychedelic research that you believe uh, will have a transformative impact on these mental health treatments as we start to look at working within the medical industry. Well, I think that there's a great deal of work being done to best ident to identify the best patients who are candidates. And uh, that now that we've got all sorts of other tools to do that, I mean, a lot of it because of artificial intelligence, we now can be much smarter and more sophisticated of who really will benefit from these treatments. And I see a number of the research groups doing that, and I think we are going to be able to excerpt that, take that information, and really fold it into our idea of best practices. That's great. And, uh, you know, along that line, I know the APPA provides training, education, and support for psychedelic practitioners. How do you envision enhancing these programs and the resources under your leadership? Well, we're going to uh, have an extensive, wide-open community here. And we are going to recruit as many members as we can. And then we're going to develop a, a continuing education. We're going to bring them in on conferences. We're going to have them sit down and talk about the, the hard issues, the tough issues, and look at everything, you know, from, and so that we know what is good and we know when there's potential um, a downside or harm because we've got to be thinking about that all the time. Our job is to do the best that we can for our patients. And in order to do that, we've got to be aware of the whole range of issues that they're going to be, uh, they may face. Thank you, that's, uh, that's great. Thank you for listening to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We have other exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. For more mindfulness tips and tricks, visit our website at workmindfulness.com. 
Thanks again for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience. This is Keith Fiveson.